It was a cold January afternoon in New York City when a dear Freilich boarded U.S. Airways Flight 1549 to Charlotte, North Carolina. He was on his way to Myrtle Beach to visit his grandparents. But Adir wasn't destined to end up in Myrtle Beach that day. No, Adir ended up in the Hudson River. The aircraft was in command of Captain Chesley Sully Sullenberg, a 57-year-old former fighter pilot who had over 25 years of experience as an airline pilot. About two minutes after takeoff, Flight 1549 struck a flock of Canada geese. All engine power was lost. The events that followed are truly stranger than fiction. Adir Freilich joins us today to share with us his first-hand account of the miracle on the Hudson. This episode is brought to you by Roadmap Jerusalem. Roadmap Jerusalem is a fascinating new documentary about the connection between the Jewish people and the city of Jerusalem. Guys, you have to check this out. Visit www.roadmapjerusalem.com. Rabbi Nolan Leibovitz studies the connection between the Jewish people and the city of Jerusalem. He talks to archaeologists, historians, politicians, religious leaders, and he really brings you the facts in a thought-provoking way. He gets you thinking about it. This is going to get you thinking about the real issues. So again, visit www.roadmapjerusalem.com and download the movie or buy the DVD. You can also stream it on Amazon if you're in the U.S. www.roadmapjerusalem.com. This podcast is made in cooperation with the Jewish Journal, www.jewishjournal.com. You're a fellow podcaster. You have a podcast called Startup Camel, right? I do, I do. It's about Israeli innovation, basically. Uh, we interview the founders of Israeli startups in English. Uh, mm-hmm. Fun fact about uh, Israel or uh, Hebrew, per se, is that I think maybe 0.01% of the population of the world speaks Hebrew. So all this amazing stuff happening here, all happening in Hebrew, but yeah. unfortunately, no one else understands. And this is why it's kind of like a... A hidden, hidden, hidden gem. I it mean, needs to be translated to it, the world. What's happening here in Israel is phenomenal. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, for our listeners, I mean, you guys have probably heard recently about Mobileye, but there's way One of the biggest exits in history, $15 today, billion. Dollars. Today crazy. there was, uh, what was it, Orbitech, I think it's called? Yeah, was sold three, for $3.4 billion. Wow. Yeah. A lot of big, big startups, a lot of innovation happening here in Israel. So guys, tune in, Startup Camel. It's fascinating. Um, so let's start from the beginning. Let's start from that, that day. Tell us how it started. How I want to start from that day because there's a little bit before. I was in Mexico. Okay. <laughs> uh, three I'm not days sure this before. is a joke yet. Okay. Three days before. Yeah. Uh, it was my birthday, January 12th. Okay. And I was in Mexico with a girlfriend at the time. And I got a f- happy birthday phone call. It was bittersweet from my grandparents. They basically sung happy birthday to me, which is nice, and then told me that my grandfather, who before I even shared this, he survived cancer five times, which is incredible. He was 96 when he passed a few years ago. But he wow. had gotten diagnosed with cancer for the fifth time. And we didn't know he was going to survive, obviously. So it was scary. Mm-hmm. They needed me to come back. I had a scheduled flight the next day uh, for New York, back from Mexico, Cancun. Mm-hmm. There was actually turbulence on the plane, and my girlfriend was a little scared and holding on to my arm, like, oh, my God. And I'm like, what are we going to crash? Come on. Anyway. <laughs> little did you know. <laughs> the next day, I got onto Expedia, uh, booked the flight. To Myrtle Beach. To Myrtle Beach with a connector in Charlotte. That's where we were flying originally. And I booked the flight for the next day, got onto the plane, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, this is, I guess, where the interesting story starts. So wait, this is January 15th. You wake up in the morning. It's an afternoon flight. So you make your way to the airport. I actually went to 10. university. Yeah. And enrolled at university, which I, I didn't go to school when I was that younger. Day. That morning. Uh, wow. So no, just a fun fact. I got a bachelor's degree in two years while I worked for myself full time. It was quite intense. Mm-hmm. But after you survive a plane crash, try it sometime. You get really motivated, you know. <laughs> uh, some of the most successful years of my life since, obviously, followed and, it. Uh, I feel okay, quite so, lucky. So you you got to the airport, you got to LaGuardia, and uh, you. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting outside, reading normal. a book. You know, I'm yeah. reading a book. I'm about to get on the flight, board the plane, buckle up. I'm in seat four A, which is a window seat. Uh-huh. We take off just like any flight. Yeah. You know, there's something called G-force. Stands for gravitational force that pushes you into your seat like a roller coaster as you take off. Mm-hmm. And I actually kind of like that feeling, even to yeah. this day. It's thrilling. It's yeah, it's well, exciting. It's the sound also that comes with it. Nowadays, I actually use these crazy, you know, Bose sound canceling headphones because the sounds kind of bother me. Really? Well, they're annoying, and I think I get away with hey, anything. There's now. like a drill. To, there's a thrill to that, like sensation. Mm-hmm. Of, I don't know. like the sounds. I'd rather watch a Netflix right. show or listen yeah. to some Podcasts. Spotify or podcast. Exactly. Okay, so you're taking off. At all is normal, and yeah. then two minutes into the flight. There was an explosion, and we lost power in the plane. You lost the you, G-force. We felt very, we felt weightless, basically. Ah, it actually dropped. It didn't drop. It just stopped climbing. Wait, you were uh, mid-climbing. Two minutes into the flight, as we're climbing to however many 30,000 feet or 40,000 feet, whatever we go to, I don't know the exact statistics. We can look yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just lost power in the engines because birds went into both engines these massive canadian geese you had a window seat i had a window seat what did you see from i looked outside and i see the left engine bursting into flames like fireballs coming out of it and at this point i knew i was gonna die actually like because i saw the engine exploding and i heard the explosion and i felt that we lost power and it just felt like we were gonna just do a nosedive into who knows what in new york city you know you saw the birds? No. I didn't see the birds. Okay. You saw the feathers. You saw the feathers coming out the other end. No, I saw fire. I mean, it's not fun to see fire of and course. feel the loss of power and all that stuff. So we lost Wait, the G-force. So you, you're sitting there. You see this, this, these flames. You feel the G-force like drop. All of a sudden, you feel weightless. And you're, what's going through your mind is, that's it? I'm dead? You remember yes. that thought going? I remember thinking, what the? Can I curse? Yeah. What the fuck is going on? I'm about to die. Did you think like, like I never thought this is like like how would it feel to die in a plane crash? Nah, not like, enough what, time to like, think. What like what what thoughts? To are be going honest, to... it was so fast. Yeah, it was so fast. Everything. By the time I actually it sunk in, he yeah. actually started to turn the plane, which I, which made me feel like he had control of what was going on, okay. control of the situation. I actually started to feel a lot calmer. And there was a lady sitting next to me, a black woman. She was hysterical crying. And I said to her, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. Meanwhile, I have no idea. Yeah. Then he gets on the loudspeaker right as I'm calming myself down. And he says, brace for impact. Which basically means, it's just, I don't know if all your listeners are English speaking. That means you're going to die when you hear that on a plane. Yeah. But really the scariest <laughs> it's like part. When you, it's like if you see a guy get up with a turban and say, I don't know what about. It's basically it's identical. I mean, identical. Brace it's for so impact. Not PC. Like the truth is, if some guy gets up and says "Allah Wakbar," you have more of a chance of surviving than brace yeah. for impact. It's true. It's true. Because what does it mean? I mean, it means you're gonna die. You know. I mean. Yeah. Oh, but oh what's God. going on 
with the other passengers. Screaming, crying, just like a movie. I mean, they did they did a movie called Sully with uh, Tom Hanks. It's yeah. a great movie. Yeah. Um, and it's just like it. I mean, screaming, crying, phones out, all that stuff. It was crazy. Wow. And before he said Brace for Impact, did he get on to the, uh, to the intercom at any point and inform people what had happened, what's Nothing. going on? The no. only thing he said was Brace for Impact. That's the only words. Wow. So he said Brace for Impact literally right before... Well, well, tell us what happened, actually. He started to turn the plane. Yeah. He was leveling out, I guess. I, I remember, that this isn't just my account because there's a movie, there's statistics. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. It's all blended together now. Right? Yeah. So he started to level out and, and even out with uh, the Hudson River. Yeah. And then he got on the speaker and he said, brace for impact. So for our listeners, uh, I think that it goes that he actually, they told him to make his way back to uh, LaGuardia. And he told them. He wasn't going to be able to make it. Not going to make it. Correct. And then he asked them for permission to fly to, I can't remember which airport it is, in New Jersey. Newark. Uh, Not not New York. uh, Toledo, Tometo or something like that. Toketo, I think. And and they, and, and they, they got permission for him to land in that airport. And then he said he's not going to make it. He's not going to make it. Correct. And then you're saying he basically lined up with the Hudson River and this. He actually said hero. he actually said yeah, I'm going to end up in the Hudson. Yeah, and then there were the connection was lost I with mean, him. Disconnected because he needed yeah. to focus. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, he disconnected it. <laughs> I believe. I believe he just stopped responding. Uh huh. Because he was honed yeah. in. He put it on silent. It was like, leave me alone, yeah. guys. <laughs> no, you that. hear actually during the uh, during the movie. I don't know how accurate it is. I'm pretty sure it's quite accurate because I, I compare it to my experience and everything's pretty on the money yeah uh, besides the fact that i mean this is a podcast so they can't see that i'm bald but the guy who's sitting in my seat in the movie has a full head of hair so it's complete nonsense <laughs> but besides that actually the movie's quite accurate you should be thankful so, yeah, yeah. it's a great listen. representation <laughs> <laughs> so he basically was focused on landing um, the plane i mean it's just in the hudson river for those who haven't <laughs> uh, understood yet what happens here is this Captain Sully of this flight 1549 basically decides he's not he has nowhere to go his engines all engine power is lost the only option and apparently there's protocol for this but like I he think didn't no follow the other protocols. I didn't no because there's not enough time yeah but no other pilot would have thought to do this but he decided to land in the Hudson River correct and he did that when they asked him um, about calculations and his um, process of thought, he responded that he saw or he used his eyes and his guts to calculate, and he just knew instinctively that that's the the only well, he option. He knew that he wasn't going to make it back to any of the airports, right? And the only thing he had in his line of vision was the Hudson River. I read that as he approached the river, he you guys flew. 270 meters just above the gwb george washington bridge which is fucking crazy i mean imagine being in a plane that's gliding that's what it is he he actually gl- glided planes in his free time for fun this guy so he yeah, was like the I perfect pilot for this <laughs> he but was a master day, in gliding he was a master glider he yeah. still is probably right he's the ultimate glider now he right? also apparently was a specialist um in disasters and in, in crashes and accidents and analyzing accidents and investigating accidents so <laughs> i mean now he now he works for I think it's CBS as like their flight disaster really? analyst or whatever. Crazy. Got a pretty good job out of there it. There was just a <laughs> he's gotten a few good things. There was just a, a helicopter crash in Hudson River. Everybody died in it. It's yeah. really sad. I mean, basically, and I get 
all of the plane crashes and any aviation crashes, especially with water, I'm constantly getting like filled my inbox with people sharing because you know because i was in the plane crash they're like look what like, didn't another happen. plane crash and no one survived you know and it's sad but it's like it reminds me how lucky i am yeah. you know i'm very lucky to be here and you told us before the show actually a statistic that no until that point in the history of aviation there's never yeah. been before been a commercial airliner landing into a body of water with zero death and since that day there has not been another one i mean it's the only time ever in history that a plane crashed with no one wow. dying. And actually, I just met a flight attendant not so long ago, a couple months ago. She was talking about how fascinating the plane crash is. And because and part of it because it's never happened, but mostly because of why it's never happened. And she said that she does drills for in case of a water landing. And the pilots actually look at her, roll their eyes, and say, this is such a waste of time. If we land in the water, we're all going to die. And at the end of the day, that's a fact to them. You know, yeah. So he did something that is impossible. Uh, or considered impossible until he did it, you know. That's unbelievable. The problem was out. <laughs> <laughs> the problem was all the protocols were meant for a situation in which you lose the engines in mid-flight when you're above high. There were no protocols for such a scenario so close to takeoff. What's also amazing about it is that basically what happened was the birds went into the engines, right? So when a bird goes into an engine, it's called a bird strike. Bird strikes are actually quite common. Uh, so much so that the engines are meant to take a bird, suck it up, spit it out, and continue working. In chicken nugget form, actually. Yeah, basically. Exactly. Which they, they later serve. They catch it in the net, and that's actually what you eat on the planes. So what's fascinating is that the size of these Canadian geese, I mean, if you look up a Canadian goose, they're just so big. Their, their arm spans are the size of our arm spans, okay? So they're really, really big, and they're flying from Canada or up to Canada, who knows? It's the middle of winter, January 15th. And four or five went into each engine. Now, the thing is, even if it went into one engine and took out the engine, the plane is engineered to actually be able to fly with only the power of a single engine. So that's another crazy thing about this, is that it took out both engines, which you have to imagine the size of these geese plus the size of the flock of these geese to to be able to access both engines because it's a massive 155-seater plane, okay? So it's an A320, and those yeah. are 155, three rows on each side. You know, and they're monster. It's a planes. big, it's a big plane. Yeah. So the the, the, t- the the length from one engine to the other. So yeah, big. yeah. So as you, it's as a, so you... that's another thing that doesn't ever happen, which is a yeah. double bird strike taking out the engines. Oh, that's crazy. As you're gliding towards the Hudson, and you're in a brace for impact mode. Brace for impact means hold your ankles and put your head between your legs and it's a very scary position and watch your life to pass be before your can eyes. you i mean are you aren't you tempted to look you have the window sit tempted i kept looking looking at where we are and i saw new york city getting closer <laughs> and i was like what the fuck? i couldn't believe it i mean really the thing is a lot of people especially the religious community and jewish communities i give talks about this all the time and share about the experience um for inspirational purposes you know and the thing is people Always ask me, did I pray to God? Did I do the Shema? Did I thank God? Did I all these different godly Muslim. spiritual things? And I guess if you're spiritual or religious, you automatically think those things. But for me, I'm not. I'm secular, and so at the end of the day, I just said, "What the fuck?" You know, yeah. <laughs> what's going on? That's it. That's yeah. literally it. So I was that's, confused. I couldn't believe it was happening. Statement. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think if you if you if you study it, what the fuck boils down to, to, <laughs> to the core of spirituality? What the fuck? You know. And if you are spiritual, it always can be what the fuck, God. Yeah, comma God. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, <laughs> so let's wait. Let's talk but, about the actual impact. Exactly. I want to. Yeah. I want to understand what. Okay, so you're. There's gliding no real down. way for me to explain the impact of a plane into water. But you know, if you ever belly flopped, it hurts a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so imagine a plane belly flopping. The best way, really, for me to explain it. If your listeners have been to, let's say, Six Flags Great Adventure, they have this water ride that you can stand on the bridge and the boat comes down through the water and it just penetrates the water. And it's just like this sound, right? And it splashes the water, really hard impact. And there's that resistance from the water because basically water at a certain height and speed and all that stuff becomes like concrete. Yeah, yeah. So that's the best way I can explain it. I mean, it's like a rock skipping on the water. Yeah. Except we're in a plane. Uh-huh. And it's really hard. Uh-huh. And uh, so you got hurt. I would like. I always wish that I could say I survived a plane crash without a scratch. It would be nice. But actually, I had a little scratch on my palm. I'm showing you guys here. Uh, but it's healed very nicely, so I'm quite lucky. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you impact. There's a silence for a second, or no? It was screaming and crying the whole way. People thought they were about to die. We all did. But afterwards, after afterwards, impacting. after impact, lights went off in the plane. And the pilot said, evacuate, evacuate. He came out of the plane. It's, he did it so loud, actually. I, I, my recount was that he said it on the speaker, but the story goes that he came out and said it. Yeah. And it was quite organized, like orderly exit. I go to leave. Then I realize, actually, that we're on the water. So I go and put my hand underneath my seat, just like the video tells you. I've been on a lot of planes. If you fly, they always have that, like, you know, instructional like, video. I never thought I'd be doing this. <laughs> Grabbed it, put it over my, my head. And actually, fun fact, another fun fact about this, I was one of nine out of 155 people, only nine people, including myself, got a life vest on a water landing. It's the only time you need it. Anyway, it's just crazy. What do you mean? You took, only nine took it? Correct. Yeah, probably the most uh, frequent flyers. <laughs> Maybe. Um, also, people are panicking. People are thinking they're dead. People yeah. are thinking all sorts of things. It was like a scene from Lost. You've seen Lost? Yeah. Okay, it, it, it looked like that. I mean, and it's very surreal. Now... Another luxury. I joke around. I say I had a luxurious plane crash because I didn't even get wet. A lot of people were standing on the wings because the back rafts failed, and they had to walk out and climb onto the wings. And the plane was sinking into this January fifteenth winter weather water, yeah, minus freezing. Like a lot of people suffered Celsius. hypothermia. Was minus seven outside, and the water was five wow. degrees Celsius. Wow. I don't, that means nothing to us, yeah. right? Not, <laughs> Sounds I mean, cold. Uh, yeah, it's cold. Zero's freezing. <laughs> the 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 ferries that came to save us had these massive, like six foot icicles. Okay, it was freaking freezing cold. New York City, Jesus. January fifteenth. I haven't been there for January fifteenth for many many years because I now spend them spend that time in Israel or in Australia. So I try to avoid it. I hate the cold. You know, I'm just like, yeah, it's like Tel Aviv in the winter, basically. <laughs> But the truth is, Tel Aviv winter is also too cold for me, so I escaped <laughs> it. I went to Australia. I just got back. New Zealand, That's Australia, ridiculous. Southeast Asia, and I look how tan I am. You guys yeah. aren't tan. No, because <laughs> no, we're Ashkenazi. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. So okay. So you you this is so you crazy. didn't get wet. <laughs> you insane. didn't get wet at all. Yes, I joke around. I say I had a luxurious plane crash. I didn't get wet. I was in the front. I got on a raft. You know how like the rich people in Titanic got onto the boats? Yeah. Yeah, I was one of the rich people. You know, at the end of the day, they wanted to save me. <laughs> and these, and, a lot of these ferries are just are just regular ferries that kind of yeah. Uh, that's came another together. a miraculous part of this whole thing, which is that there was no boat in our way. I mean, first of all, we would all die. People on the boat and the plane, everybody would be dead if we hit a. Basically, if a if a water landing happens and you just slightly touch the wing it just like 
makes yeah. the it turns into like the Tasmanian devil, okay? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. the uh, the plane. It just Spins breaks into crazy breaks. pieces and everybody dies, right? Yeah. So no plane no plane going into the water has happened, but there was this is the Hudson River. It's one of the busiest bodies of water I think in the world. There's yeah. a constant flow of boats back and forth. It was midday. Forth. It was like 3 p.m., 3:15 yeah. or something. Constant boats back and forth. And because there was none in our way, it doesn't the, what it meant is they were on their way to us because they were already yeah. on the way. And they saved us, I'm not kidding, from the moment we hit the water to the moment I was on land, 20 minutes. It was fascinating how fast. That's amazing. And what are you thinking, excuse me for the cliche, yeah. but from the minute of impact, what are you thinking? I, I just couldn't believe what was going on. It was very surreal. And like I said, I went, I grabbed the vest. I went to leave. I was the eighth or ninth person out of the front right door. I slid down, crossed my hands, my arms, just like the video said, slid down the slide. You're a nerd. It's a very, very surreal experience, <laughs> but I followed the rules, man. I mean, I, I know what's going on here. I'm not panicking. I'm just going to follow the rules like a sheep. In our jeans. In this scenario, I live outside the box, okay? I live like very, very far, especially after this plane crash. Anything's possible for me. But in this scenario where there's a life or death scenario, I'm going to follow the rules, you right. know? You get in the box real quick. Correct. <laughs> and I slid down. I was the eighth or ninth person. And I actually thought we were going to blow up because I smelled the jet fuel. I, I recently learned somebody because I was telling this story to someone else and they said jet fuel doesn't blow up. How can I know that? I don't know. It smelled like gas. I saw fire. Fire yeah. plus gas equals an explosion. I'm scared to use my cell phone at the gas station. I heard that's dangerous. You know. Yeah. Somebody actually did jump in the water, they say. A few people. Uh, a few people. Yeah. So you're, you're, you get on a raft, uh, and then you get to a ferry. So I get on the raft. As soon as we actually detached from the plane, this is the moment in which I knew I was actually going to be okay. Uh-huh. And the first thing I did was I high-fived the guy next to me. I was like, dude, we just fucking survived a plane crash. Who does that? And high five. <laughs> it was kind of an That's epic crazy. moment for me. That's amazing. Because I knew I was going to be okay at that point. And I actually called my ex-girlfriend who had just dropped me off after school and everything. Marry me. You're like, I, I got there. <laughs> I'm here. Fast She's like, plane. I'm like, hey, her name was Jillian. I'm like, Jillian, don't worry. Everything's okay. But just to let you know, my plane just crashed into the Hudson River. She's like, oh my God, what do you mean? Oh my God. And I'm like, just call everybody in my family let them know. And actually, everybody in my family knew before the plane uh, hit the news, which was really nice. That's yeah, that's good. That's good. So does that event change your life? Is it is it a thing that happens? You yes. Know? It changed my whole life. How did how did it change your life? Well, I've always kind of been like this happy, optimistic kind of guy, but it just made me like this ultimate optimist because like when I'm in like a store and they're, I'm like, can I have like ketchup instead of mayonnaise? And they're like, no. And I'm like, what do you mean? I was in a plane crash. Of course you can. You know, anything's possible. <laughs> Something simple like that is just a joke, you know? Yeah. It just, the concept of something being impossible. I mean, I really relate a lot to being in Israel with the Israelis because we're surrounded by all this Balagan here, right? Everything going around us is just we thrive against the odds. Mm-hmm. Anything is possible here, and we've proven it, right, time and time again, uh, against all odds. So that concept of anything is possible is so ingrained into my brain that it it just basically doesn't give me any limitations. Like I said, I live very, very far outside of this box, somewhere in, like, outer space, right? And it just put this, like, blowtorch under my ass and really made me realize that you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. That's the number one lesson. And mm-hmm. we know that here for sure, right? Because yeah. there's all sorts of craziness. For me, I can get hit by a truck tomorrow. Should I be worried about how I did on a test? Or should I be worried about if I'm going to 
get this deal closed or something. You know, whatever it is in my life, I can automatically say it could be worse. Other people are suffering. My life's amazing. I could say many things. Perspective. That just, yeah, my perspective is I could have died in a plane crash, and I can just always go back to that. So I said, as before, as I said before, I enrolled at university the morning of, got a bachelor's degree in two years in psychology while I worked for myself full time, most successful years of my life by far. And it's actually part of why I decided to move to Israel because I just kind of said, fuck it. I want to do something new. And I just mm-hmm. did it. I have no fears really. You know, a lot of people are really, they hold themselves back. So I, my fears are very, very minimal. I mean, I'm still a human. I'm, I'm scared, like I said, of, uh, I don't remember what I said. Tsunami. But, yeah, I'm scared of a tsunami. Fine. No, I mean, I'm scared to like use my cell phone at a gas station. I, right. I don't try to put myself into dangerous situations. So I just came back from New Zealand and Australia. It's very popular to like go bungee jumping and sky. I don't do those things. I've had enough Crocodile of an adrenaline riding. rush. Yeah, I've, I've had enough adrenaline rushes in my life. You know, plane crash is enough. And moving forward, I try to be smart and safe. But at the end of the day, I don't limit myself to the everyday limitations of what society tells you and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I just know anything's possible. Do you uh, do you believe or any part of you that, that that was fate or that there's some kind of, you know? No. No. You're, are you, <laughs> you're an atheist. Uh, sure. I'm gathering. Uh, yeah. Okay. So no, none of that is like, you know, I was destined to land in the Hudson and... No. No. Nothing. Okay. <laughs> and what about, did you suffer post-trauma, nightmares? Yeah, so my family was worried about that. So they sent me to a psychiatrist or psychologist. And uh, I just talked about how my family's been fucking me up my whole life. And now, I'm, thank God I survived this plane crash because it's changing everything, you know? <laughs> <laughs> did nah, you get to... I, I had no PTSD. I yeah. had one of my best... So I actually, the first time I started flying again was two years and change. I actually just had this like Facebook memory uh, that said... First flight, I'm going back to Cali or something like, you know, like Biggie. And I did a, a little post sharing it because it's kind of funny because I did I, I, my post, my recent post was throwback to 600 flights ago. So basically, I had to fly in an emergency to Los Angeles for work. And one of my best friends, his, his name is Dr. Matthew Lorber. He's a doctor. He's a fucking really smart doctor. Anyway, he's in New York City. He's one of my close friends. I told him I need to fly. He said, listen, don't worry. I'm going to prescribe you a medication. You'll be fine. I take this pill. Fall asleep, wake up in Los Angeles. Take the pill, fall asleep, wake up back in New York. And it was like magic, really. And what it made me realize is that, you know what? I could just take some pills. But then I started flying so much and so often every week for my company. Every Sunday I'd fly to a different city and every Thursday I'd fly home. So I said, I don't want to become a drug addict. I need to stop taking the pills. So I got over it. But I fly nonstop. I mean, I flew nonstop for the past seven years. Mm -hmm. It was nine years ago the plane crashed. Seven years ago I started flying again. And uh, <clears throat> I fly a lot. Water yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, there is um, there's this TV show uh, in National Geographic. How is it called? A- aviation under investigation or uh, something like that? Plane crash investigations or something like that? Yeah. I think. And you know, I was I've plane been... crash investigators. Exactly. And it's very addictive. It's like because um, you want to see what happens. It's a little snuffy, you know, <laughs> looking at it. There's a, a snuff pleasure. element, yeah, in it. Because they look at the black box. They want to see what happened, basically. Yeah, they analyze everything. They reenact it, and it's highly addictive. Um, and most of those incidents end badly. Everyone. Yeah, except almost, for mine, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, but after having watched that for several times, 
you know, for a long period of time, I would embark on a plane and uh, you can't help. It just pops into your head. The things that you saw and the thought, maybe I'll be an episode of... (laughs) 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 So for me, my thought process is, what are the chances that I'm going to be in two plane crashes in my lifetime? And the chances are pretty slim. 50-50. But the reality is... That's really bad the chances of being in two plane crashes are are, you know almost impossible but that statistic i say is skewed because most of the time after the first one you're dead so i'm really very lucky and i just again it it just changed me in such a way like for me to have stopped flying right i'm not over exaggerating this number 600 flights okay i've flown on over 600 flights since the crash if i would not have if, if i would have stopped flying my entire life would be different. Really. Mm-hmm. I mean, how would I get to Israel? Take a fucking boat? I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Did you ever get to meet uh, Sully? Yeah, so after one year, there was an anniversary, and mm-hmm. uh, they got the passengers and crew and all that together, and we had a little reunion. It was amazing. We went to the exact spot where we crashed in a ferry and toasted with Grey Goose, which was hilarious That's... and fun. Oh, Grey Goose. Ha. <laughs> and did amazing. you converse with him? Yes, I thanked him. I wrote him a letter, him and the co-pilot, thanking them and telling them what I've been up to for the past year, how they changed my life, etc. Did they gave respond? him a hug, told him thank you, and you know, I mean, there's 154 other people that are thanking him. You know, so right? I'm yeah. irrelevant, but uh, that's unbelievable. So you liked the film? Yeah, it was amazing. Um, I actually went to see it with 50 friends and family, including my grandmother, who I was going to visit. And uh, at the end, one of my friends was like, he was a survivor. He was on the plane, and, and, and strangers were coming over to me, and they were trying to touch me, shake my hand, give me hugs, take pictures with me. And I was just about to move to Israel. It was only two weeks before I moved to Israel. And I turned to all my friends, and I was like, guys, we're going to come see this movie every night before I leave for Israel. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about this podcast that you're doing. You're doing Startup Camel. Startup Camel. I'm trying to get three to five episodes pumped out weekly. Um, of about an interview with the founder of an Israeli startup. They're mm-hmm. fascinating. Uh, some of the ones that I had, I, I don't want to like name drop them, but you could check out the website. Name drop. Name, name drop. drop them. <laughs> Pioneer is the number one fintech in all of Israel. They're worth wow. valued over a billion dollars. Yuval Tal, he's a lone founder. He actually started it, and two years later he had an exit for like $450 million. It's the competition of PayPal, basically, right? Main- Not really, because their niche and why they're so huge and getting bigger is that they do cross-border payments so businesses and individuals mm-hmm. that need to pay right through countries it's so complicated and expensive but yeah. it just makes it seamless and easy and cheap so wow. simple so so uh pay in the air some of some of the other ones logs.io they do back end monitoring of logs um huge company wow. i think their valuation is over 100 million uh augury another valuation of over 100 million which is one of my favorites and one of my best friends brothers works for augury and that's how i got the interview he just got married um nice so how do you how does the format he work? connected me to this founder so so basically just to share what augury is because it's amazing they, uh, okay. they attach a device a little device that picks up the sounds of machines and the vibrations of the machines to do predictive maintenance it's just fucking crazy that's insane so, so they can, can tell you your printer's about to break because correct except it sounds except wrong. they haven't moved to like the small scale they do yeah, yeah, massive yeah factories you know yeah okay that's all and was your dream interview that you haven't done yet i don't i don't i'm, I'm not a big dreamer anymore honestly I i've accomplished live... everything no i i i've honestly you know gil Schwade or 
something. There is no one that's like gonna starstruck me or anything like that. I, I don't care, honestly. I I'm happy to just spread the word. What's happening here is just amazing. I I I sat in, in a meeting today with a PR company, and they're about to start pumping me their clients, and they're just fascinated, like how, why do you do this? You know, and it's just a purely. I just made a huge switch where I had a marketing and advertising company where I was basically selling stuff to people and just making money, and there is no reward from that except for money, and money's great. I'm going to tell you now, but. I made a huge switch. I said, I don't want to just make money anymore. I want to help people. So now I'm just helping people. I'm not making any money. I think the money will come. I'm not worried. I make jokes because I'm a really good salesman. If I start running out of money, I'll sell helicopters and yachts, you know? Yeah. I've interviewed 61 founders. I think I could get 51 sales jobs if I want. So, Adir, I wonder if there are any tips or less... I mean, can I change my life like you without without being in a plane crash being in a plane crash i wish that i could figure this out because i would love to <laughs> you know? pass this on because i do tell this story often and i feel like i do inspire some people because it just the concept of wow you really don't know what's going to happen sometimes hits home i wish i could just inject how i feel about life into every person i meet because i think i have like an advantage over the average person that worries and is concerned and thinks negatively i really have none of those thoughts go through my mind i mean again i'm a human occasionally but it's very easy for me to snap out of it the best way for me to express and this is a little bit embarrassing for me but how it's you can't learn unless you have your own experience something this big is my analogy is that I got my bike stolen, okay? I moved to Tel Aviv. They tell me, whatever you do, don't lock it here. And where did I lock it? There. And guess what? $1,000 later, after I replaced my bike, ask me if I'm ever going to lock my bike in that place that they told me not to. And the answer is no. And I had to actually learn that lesson myself, which is kind of a shame. It cost me $1,000. But you know what? $1,000 lesson. I, I mean, if I learned it, which I did, it was worth it. So... In that aspect, it's showing you psychologically, even me, who's thinking all positively and all this stuff, should happen sometimes, and you have to learn the hard way. Luckily, I survived. There's no hard way aspect, but what it's taught me, I mean, I don't know. Let's try to figure this out right now. How can we instill it in you so that you actually think positively and realize that you, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, and if your life ended tomorrow, would it, be, would it have been worth it to waste your time and energy worrying, you know? The startup, truth is it's no a startup idea. You 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 like basically take planes up, <laughs> land them on the Hudson, but you have a high rate of success, <laughs> but not not like a hundred percent. And near death, one, so out, of one out of a hundred explode. will explode, and then people will go. Don't on. worry, it's low chance you'll, you'll, you'll probably yeah. survive. Or you just li- go to Jerusalem to the old city and do a stroll every day. <laughs> Your chances are higher. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I wish I, could. I, I honestly, I've been trying to figure this out because I want to pass it on. I want to try to help people if I can in any way possible, and especially with inspiring them to be positive because, you know, it's important to stay positive. It really is. And if you're positive, positive things happen. It's like an energy thing. Although I don't believe in energy or spirituality or anything like that. But if yeah. you do, you know, it's good energy to think positively, <laughs> hypothetically speaking, if you believe in that. No, but in general, think, when you think... do good things, when you th- contribute goodness, when you are yeah. positive, good things happen to you. Period. Yeah. Well, I think it's good. You share your story. And I think that more, the more people that hear it, the more stories you hear like this, the more references you have 
to think positive. Yeah. The more, the more, t- the more ways you can tell yourself, well, look at this and look at that. It's not like having the experience yourself, but, but you have it something to associate it with. You know, I'll think about it for at least a couple of hours. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then. <laughs> well, I have a few friends out there that yeah. uh, occasionally when they're frustrated or negative or feeling down or sad or anything like that, I'm like the go-to guy. And I love that. I love, I love yeah. hearing about your sadness so I could turn it around and make you excited and happy. That's you know, awesome. one of my friends is like, two meetings got canceled today and I feel like quitting my job. I'm like, oh, your life's so hard. Just Google what's happening in Syria right now and realize how great we are in, our, in Israel. We're kings, you know, like our yeah. life is great. Stop complaining. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, Adir, so your podcast is called... Start Up Camel. And how does one get to listen to it? You can go to startupcamel.com. That's obviously the best option. You can also go to our Facebook, Startup Camel Facebook group. You can also go to SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, every... Wherever. Every option of listening to podcasts. But I think iTunes and SoundCloud and Facebook are probably the strongest. Awesome. And before we go, first of all, we have another podcast, guys. It's called The Melting Podcast. And it's a podcast about Aliyah and what it's like to become an Israeli. So if you guys are planning Aliyah, if you know someone who is doing or just did Aliyah, refer them to The Melting Podcast. The address to find the podcast is... www.meltingpodcast.com and we make this podcast in collaboration with the Jewish Journal. Um, guys, check it out, jewishjournal.com. Uh, it's a great source for Jewish news and news in general. Uh, so check them out, jewishjournal.com. And, of course, uh, guys, we do this on the side um, on our free time. So we've put up a donate link if you guys want to throw any money or all your money our way. No, I'm kidding. Any amount will be... 50% uh, will do. 50% will do. No, any any donation is greatly appreciated. So if you guys want, you go to the website 2njb.com and click donate. That's it, Adir. Thank you so much for inspiring us. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. Bye. Thank you, Adir. Bye, guys.